And okay, good morning. You want some heck for breakfast? Hey, good morning. Uh, yeah, I'll have some scrambled eggs and, uh, and you are? I remember me, man. Harris. Harris, okay. Yeah, Harris. Morning, Henry. How are you? Hey, good morning, Sarah. How are you? Uh, Brian, there's the guy out there. Oh, you you met Harris, I see. Uh, yeah. You remember Harris, right? He's the... Uh, Isn't that the guy you stop and talk to every morning on our way down to Manor Park? We, when you used to get your beef patties, you worked at the yard, the guy up yeah, there. Yeah, he works for our neighbors, right? The family next door? Yeah. He, well, he used to work at the neighbors. Oh. Now he works here. Okay, he does. He lives here, too. Uh, all right. Yeah, you're not going to believe this, Henry. They were barely paying him anything. <sighs> Brian. Uh, so we're going to kind of take care of him, help him out. We even have room? I mean, uh, we can use him around here with the guests, with like music, like setting up stuff, cooking, great vibes, cool brethren for real. Harris, I like my scrambled well done, okay? Thanks, bro. Enough respect. Broadcasting live and direct from the rolling red hills on the outskirts of Kingston, Jamaica from a magical place at the intersection of words, sound, and power. The red light is on. Your dial is set. The frequency in tune to the Rootsland podcast. Stories that are music to your ears. From the first time we walked down from Armour Heights to Manor Park with Harris, things just felt different. Passing through the quiet, winding streets, we were greeted with hellos, wide smiles and waves. Not from our neighbors, but from their gardeners, the washer ladies scrubbing clothes, the handymen, usually too caught up in their daily chores to even notice us. Harris's presence seemed to have changed that. And when we reached the foot of the hill on Constant Spring Road, Harris introduced us to Snake Man the tall, lanky teenager that ran the drink stall, right on the corner before you head up to the Heights. That was the yard version of a 24-hour convenience store. We had stopped there a few late nights to pick up drinks and rolling papers for some of our guests at the house. Snake Man gave Harris an enthusiastic fist bump, a smile and a hug. He hadn't seen much of his friends since he moved up to our crib. Word traveled fast on Constant Spring Road that Harris was now living and working at our place. And our motley white crew hadn't gone unnoticed marching up and down the hill every day in search of vegetarian food for Brian and Sarah and beef patties for me and Stompy. Harris had put word out on the street that we shouldn't be confused with most of the other entitled Armour Heights families that occupy the homes in the hilltop ravines, the ones that segregate and mistreat their helpers that we were struggling musicians from the States. And Harris didn't only live with us. He ate with us. He chilled with us. He wasn't working for us. He was working with us. On the spring, Harris was known as a hardicle youth, an honest, upfront, hardworking individual who minds his own business and can always be depended on when needed. His realness, those qualities are rare and go a far way anywhere in the world. But in a city like Kingston, they go even further. From the moment this youth entered our home and our lives, it gave us a connection to the island that up until that point had been missing. And in many ways, young Harris's story 
starts like so many Jamaicans of his generation. But it's the second chapter that sets him apart. Harris is one of tens of thousands of kids from Jamaica in the Caribbean, known as barrel children. These are children whose parents are forced to migrate to foreign countries in order to seek employment and work opportunities unavailable on their islands. Often the only way to provide their families with food, housing, and security, it's a painful and difficult decision. But for so many, it's the only choice. In exchange for the parenting duties thrust upon relatives, family, and friends while they're gone, their children's new guardians are sent monetary payments, along with barrels filled with goods containing everything from food and basic needs to products and clothing that can set up shops and small businesses. These barrels go a long way in helping their children and the host families cover expenses. But the material contents are no substitute for the love of a parent. And these children often grow up feeling like outcasts, isolated, unwanted. Meanwhile, many Jamaicans like Harris's mom end up working in the healthcare system in the United States, England, and Canada, where they've provided a backbone to the industry for decades. Because of their deep empathy, dedication, and professionalism, Caribbean healthcare workers are the top choice to fill positions at hospitals, nursing homes, rehab facilities, and for private families. But you have to remember, for every loving Jamaican nanny that tucks a child into bed in a Manhattan high-rise and sings them a sweet lullaby, there's a child like Harris in Jamaica that goes to bed alone, missing their mother, feeling abandoned and like a burden. And without the love, guidance, and proper support, many barrel children remain stuck in the same cycle of poverty that their parents sacrificed so much to help them escape. Then every once in a while, with a little luck and a lot of heart, one does break free. One like Harris. <laughs> Yo, Harris, you can't handle the bar. We know what you're talking about. You can't smoke no Jamaican. We smoke chalice around here. Where you come from? None of this creepy. You better stick to your split. Hey, Ringworm, stop corrupting Harris, please. Hey, Leave bro, our youth alone. You've been outsmoked by a Yankee. He's, you, couldn't, you can't outsmoke him, please. He's Jamaican. Are you okay, Harris? Don't let this guy corrupt you. Where's Brian? Is he ready coming down? Ready for them. What up, Henry? What up, Bachelor? Ready for the dance? Boys' night out at Top Line? Yo, there's my you, Brian. What up, Licorisla? All right, let's get rolling. It's just the four of us, huh? No, no, no. It's not just the four. We still got one more rolling with us. He's pulling up right now. Wait. What do you mean? Yep, that's right. Oh, no. That's right. The Caucasian killer is going to party with us. The old man's coming, too? The one and only. <laughs> Yo, Dominic. No way. What's that, a Kango cap? Yo, we ain't going to no 70s party. What decade you living in? Yeah, blood cloud ringworm. It figures you don't know nothing about dancehall culture. Congo caps and clock shoes never go to style. Remember me tell you that. Oh, blood. I don't know nothing. I don't have no Ross Clot style. This is the street look, bro. What the Ross you are wear? Sweatpants and hoodie. You look like you just rolled out of your bed in a pajamas. Or maybe if you stick close to me, you can learn a thing or two. Lessons from who? From Bomboclat, you. Find yourself a decent girl who won't give you a communicable disease. All right, gentlemen, enough with the Either. drama, okay? Please. <laughs> we'll I'm see driving. We'll get more numbers oh. tonight. I hope All right, en- enough with the drama. I'm driving and I need everyone to calm down for the ride, please. Yo, I got shotgun. 
Budman right up front. Yeah, that's right, Ringworm. The bad man gets shotgun. Yeah, that's why Harris is sitting up front, right? Ringworm, I pay a fuck your talk, you know. Dancehall culture and the street dances that inspired it can be traced back to the 1950s, to the poorest and most marginalized areas in Kingston, attended by residents who lived on gully banks and sustained themselves by sifting through garbage dumps. People so broke, they couldn't afford to go out on the town. And frankly, they weren't invited or wanted at the party. So they decided to throw their own inner-city street dances that became safe spaces within concrete jungles, where the underprivileged youth could converge and express their individuality through music, fashion, art, and dancing, free from a judgmental middle class and popular culture that looked down on the ghettos, viewed them as a depraved underworld on the fringes of society. But as it turns out, no one knows how to party and enjoy themselves like ghetto people. The raw emotion, the unbridled talent and creativity produced a style of music and culture that not only drew in crowds from all over Jamaica, but from all over the world, willing to venture into deadly garrisons to experience the sensation and energy of an authentic inner-city street dance. Once considered counterculture, born as a celebration of the slums, dancehall had ascended into an internationally recognized and respected art forum, crossing over into all areas of art and culture. In Kingston, Halfway Tree marks the dividing line between uptown and downtown. Centrally located, it's a neutral buffer zone, where by day Jamaicans of all backgrounds and classes mingle and go about their activities, working, shopping, or eating, at one of the many large outdoor strip malls or plazas. Halfway Tree is the city's main artery, with a major bus terminal and a string of taxi stands that bring in and disperse Kingston commuters from before dawn until after dusk. At night, after the traffic dies down and the last markets and shops shutter for the evening, something magical happens when a nondescript halfway tree parking lot in a shopping plaza transforms into a weekly Wednesday night street dance named Top Line. A festive all-night bash, fueled by Red Bull, Guinness, and weed, that begins at midnight and has revelers from all over town, still coming in after four. Even before you arrive, your mind, your body, acclimate to the volume and tempo of the dance, as the vibrations from the massive sound system hit you from blocks away, setting off your body's early warning detection system. In the world of dancehall, you roll with your crew, for good or bad. These are groups of like-minded individuals that share common connections and bonds that go way beyond geographic or political ties. These are blood brothers. And the top of the pecking order is the Don, the top man, pulling up to the dance in his Benz or Beamer and preceded by posses riding ahead on ninja motorcycles burning rubber and popping wheelies to announce their arrival. After which, they set up in a dark corner, where the Godfather treats his soldiers to cases of Guinness and bags of high-grade to enjoy the vibes. In this alternative dancehall universe, the version of the popular girls, or the in-crowd, were known as the Hot Gals, a group of scantily clad inner-city dancers and models 
dressed in fashion supplied by aspiring ghetto designers, like the infamous Ouch Crew. Photographers and fans waited like paparazzi, hoping to catch a glimpse of these dancehall divas decked out in their outlandish, one-of-a-kind creations. Outfits made on minimum budgets, with whatever material and scraps available. Ghetto apocalyptic, so cutting-edge and innovative, that over the years, high-end couture houses incorporated many of these street styles and looks into their fashion houses. And of course, central to the culture of the dance was the island's most popular homegrown delicacy, ganja. And not to be left out of the fun, Rastaman would journey from distant hills and valleys with gunny sacks full of fresh-groomed stalks of sensimilia that had a pungent scent so strong it would make any stoner's mouth water. They would delicately place their products in baskets for viewing. And then, on a first-come, first-served basis, you could purchase stalks of marijuana the size of your arm for about $10, enough to supply a whole crew until sunrise. But beware of the dirty Babylon police, looking to cause trouble or shut down the dance for any reason. One man's bastion of free expression is another man's threat to stability. And a constant war had been waged by the Jamaican authorities to prohibit and disrupt the one place the people were actually able to enjoy themselves. In fact, the government would soon pass into law the Noise Abatement Act, an example of the system's overreach in their war against ghetto culture. These laws now gave the police and soldiers permission to randomly enter any neighborhood at their discretion and forcibly shut down dances and break up parties due to noise violations. Passing the act was an invitation for police abuse, so it's no surprise that these raids are often politically motivated or meant as retaliation against an area or community. But one of the crews chilling at the dance didn't have to worry about police. They didn't have to worry about anything. They were the uptown crew, the wealthy sons of the island's elite, like my old friend Billy Diamond and his privileged gang of wannabe thugs. Harris called them DCs. I had no idea what he meant until he explained that many of these rich kids pay to become deputy constables, or DCs. It's more or less a symbolic title and badge given to well-connected kids of politicians and businessmen. Basically, a get-out-of-jail-free card that let them off from traffic infractions, let them carry licensed firearms. Oh yeah, it also allowed them to shoot and kill anyone they wanted with no consequences. Billy and his crew often ditched their wives and families for a night out on the town, showing up in pimped-out pickup trucks, trying to impress and leave the dance with one of the sexy ghetto girls, who, by the way, were very good at acting like they were impressed by rich boys with pickup trucks. These downtown girls themselves on the prowl. Looking for wealthy single men they could leave the dance with. Or even better, wealthy married men. You know, I don't think I really ever enjoyed or understood the dance hall until I lived in Kingston. I'm not sure anyone can pick up the true atmosphere of a street dance by just listening to a mixtape. You need to smell the herb and the tobacco, blending in the air with the smoke from the slow-cooked jerk chicken and pork. The scent of sweat and cheap perfume. You need to see the joy, the relief in someone's eyes, who has nothing good to look forward to tomorrow, but has this one moment to dance, this one moment to shine. 
Dancehall is a warm Guinness in one hand, a lit spliff in the other, and a hot body girl gyrating against you right in the middle. Surrounded by your crew under the stars, in a sacred space, where all the problems of a violent and ruthless city are momentarily suspended. The thing is, you have to leave the dance. And that's when things can get dangerous. What was freezes? What was that? What, dude, what was that, bro? Gunshot. What was that? Yeah, Yo, uh, take no, it was, thank God, no, it wasn't, a, it was, it was Relax a Relax yourself, ringworm, and a gunshot that. Tire blow out, we get a flat. All right, pull over. Yo, this is Grand Spen, one bum buckler, dangerous place. All right, let's think, this is, uh, you know, yeah, Dominic is right, this is Grand Spen, this isn't the best Could area. Could I be trouble if them recognize me through me as Spanglers? Yo, that's okay, Dominic, <laughs> I doubt anyone will recognize you. Hey, we better get out the spare and change it no. real quick. You know we don't have, the, we don't have the spare. Right, Brian? Oh, gosh, we got a spare, but it's already on the car. Henry, Mike, we pull over and right. think about this, you know. Uh, think good I get sticky, you know. Uh, we need to plan gosh, out this. What are we going to do, man? Nothing good can happen right here this time of night, you know. Rootsland Podcast is produced by Henry Kane Association with Vicebox Studios. Remember to like, share and subscribe and please support our show by downloading the Rootsland original soundtrack available on Amazon, iTunes or wherever you purchase music. So join the Roots gang at Rootsland. Yes, Rasta. Henry K. Henry K. Productions.